Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Peter tonight, what we've been studying for weeks, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I have just been going through over and over again, and it's amazing. It's like, why can't I remember everything this man says? Yeah. There's so much in every chapter as I go through, it's like, oh wait, I missed that. Or that didn't hit me last time. Wait, this means something a little different to me today. Yeah. And I just sat in it for a while. And I'm afraid you're going to suffer through some ruminations about it, you know, with me of what I've learned and gone through it. And uh, I hope it's helpful. We're going to study uh, chapter 5 this evening. I won't say I'll do much preaching. I think we're going to go on a journey together with what he has said in 1 Peter. We're going to do a little review. And I do have some very strong feelings about chapter 5. And I'll share those at the appropriate time, but we're going to go back. And I'd like you to open your Bible and kind of go through, because I hope you've been studying the chapters. I know our family group has had conversations in midweeks when we've gotten together and talked about some of the things that are hitting us with each sermon. And I hope you've spent some time really going through this and pulling out, lifting up stuff that you need to know. Uh, this is a very important letter, and I think it's very applicable to us today. Right. Sometimes we read stuff and we're not making the connection. This is real, and it's applicable to me today. I can live this. I can apply this. This is meaningful. And you haven't studied deep enough if that's not where you're at with it. You need to go back and read it. <coughs> so... Let's have a little review. What did P- why did Peter write this letter? Well, I came up with three things, and I'm gonna, this is me, guys, all right? This is not any deep theological stuff. This is me, Steve's review, okay? So take that for with. This is Steve's review. Some of it won't be in exact order. Some of it may be just subject order, okay? This may be just stuff that hits Steve, okay? All right, I've done enough of that. (laughs) All right, so when Peter wrote this, what jumps out in me is what he's wanting to do is prepare us for suffering. He wants to prepare God's people to suffer. That is deep. He wants to urge them to remain faithful as they go through this suffering. And he wants to remind them that they have a king, Jesus Christ. And he has a kingdom, and they are in it. Do you see how this could be applicable today? Those are my three takeaways. There's major overarching themes. You can have others. You can have broader ones. You can have sharper ones. That's fine. 
But think about this. If you were going to write a letter to people and you wanted to help them with these three things, to prepare them for suffering for the name of Jesus, to help them remain faithful, and to remind them that they have a king and they're in his kingdom, what would you write? What would you say? You couldn't say it face to face. You had to do it with what you were writing. Where would you go? And I find it so interesting what he shares. So let's run through it. I'm going to read some of these things. This is, this is what I'm lifting out of it. You have a king. He is resurrected from the dead. He reigns. He lives. He is merciful and he's full of grace. There is a glorious inheritance prepared for us. It can't be destroyed or taken away by this world. And as you go through 1 Peter, see if you can see these things. I encourage you to do that. You are saved, saved from your sins by grace. Suffering will refine your faith. Suffering proves it is genuine. The gospel is real and the gospel is true. Everything dies. But you have been born again through the word of God. His word is eternal. It never fails. Christ will return to claim his own. This world is not your home. You are a sojourner. You're in exile. You don't belong here. Live that way. Be prepared in your mind for what is going to happen. You need to reason it through. Set your hope fully on the grace in Christ Jesus. Be alert. Be ready. You see, you have to prepare your mind in advance for suffering. That is going to come and not be surprised when it happens. How are you going to react to it? What are you going to do? You need to have, be ready in your mind what will be the proper response. We are together in this. We need each other. We need to love each other deeply and sincerely. We need to take care of each other. When he says we need to show hospitality, you know, people might actually have to live with us for a while because they don't have anything in the Don't go back to the ways of this world because you're suffering. Be distinct. We reject the sinful ways of this world and the ways of our past lives. We need to feed on God's word so we can be spiritually mature and remain strong in our salvation. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession. That's what he says. Live in such a way that when people speak against you, they will see how you behave 
your good deeds and acknowledge God's way is the right way when Jesus returns. Obey the authorities. Don't rebel against them. Don't retaliate. If you suffer for doing good, you are blessed and are pleasing in God's sight. Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow so that you might follow in his footsteps. He bore our sins on the cross. By his wounds, you are healed. That is our example for suffering. Don't repay evil for evil. Instead, be zealous for doing good. Be ready to share with anyone why your hope is in Christ. Don't suffer for doing wrong. It's better to suffer for doing good. You have been born again. You are saved through the resurrection of Christ who is at the right hand of God with all powers in subjection to him. <laughs> how do you feel after hearing these things? Really, how, how do you feel? When I go through them, when I'm writing them down, I was having... Goosebumps. I was feeling so many things. I was feeling joyous that that's who my Savior is. That who, that's who my Christ is. Yeah. I have a hope. It is secure. I have an inheritance. I'm I was fired up. I was definitely encouraged, but then there was a flip side to it I was very sobered by. I'm going to have to suffer. It's going to happen. Yep. How am I going to respond? I mean, do you ever consider how am I going to respond? It's kind of like when, when I played football, there's a feeling before the game when you know you've been practicing it and you know you've been getting yourself ready and you're going to go into it and there's still some unknowns. You know it's going to be hard. You know you're going to have to give everything that you got. And so there's this tension, there's an excitement. It's like, this is what you're, you've been training for. This is what I've been preparing for, and now it's here. What's going to happen? And so I was feeling that it's kind of in here. It's kind of, okay. <laughs> and that's how I came away from studying these first uh, five chips. Well, study of 1 Peter, but the first four chapters, then he gets to chapter 5 and he starts pulling it all together and continuing this theme. But I think sometimes when we're reading this book, and I was heading to it before, we don't connect with this very well. You know, the whole idea of suffering just seems wrong. Suffering is something to be avoided. Some, suffering seems to be something shameful. If you suffer, you must be doing something wrong. You deserve it. And if you don't deserve it, then run away from it. Don't hurt. These are hard things. But today, I want to assure you, this is important because 
I've never in my life, and I'm probably one of the oldest people here, seen us so close to this becoming a reality. Yeah. 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 That's right. That things are going to happen where your faith is going to be put on the line and are you ready? That's right. See, we're going to be slandered. Yeah. Because we're a Christian. Yeah. Right. When we hold up God's word, we're going to be called bigots and haters. When we hold to his teaching, we're going to be called narrow-minded, backward. You name it. It's going to happen. Are you ready for that? Are you prepared for people to try and shame you for what you think? For what you believe? What you trust? You didn't make this up. This is God's teaching. It's not your teaching. How will you respond? What will guide you in deciding what you're going to do? That is why this book is so important. Are you prepared to give an answer why Christ is your king? So let's go over chapter five. Let's go. Are you ready? So let's read it. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So what do we see Peter doing in this chapter? 
the very first thing he does is he now wants to talk to the elders of the churches that he is writing to. And he says, I exhort you. I exhort meaning I urge you, I plead with you, I want to persuade you. What? I want you to take care of the flock. I want you to exercise oversight, to do this willingly and eagerly. I don't want, I want you to be an example to the flock, not because someone's making you do it, not for money, they paid them back then, not being domineering in their leading, shepherd the flock. Remember, he's keeping with this theme of preparing people for suffering, urging them to remain faithful, reminding them to have a king. He's directly addressing the leaders because they need to lead. In such a time as this, leaders need to lead. And he's saying, here's how you need to lead, elders. You need to do it eagerly, without compulsion, no one making you do this. This needs to be an act of love to do this. Be an example. You know, it's really interesting. We live in a time where people really, really, and with good reason, distrust authority and leadership. Hang on. If they're saying something, I'm going to have to check that twice. Yeah. Right. I don't know why they're telling me. You know, the motives are going to be questioned. Yeah. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But you still need to be a good follower. And if you're a leader, you need to be a good leader. Yeah. Yes. It's very interesting. You see, leaders have to be out front. They have to be setting an example for how you go through this suffering. And they're probably going to be the first ones to be persecuted, quite honestly, because they're the ones holding on to the teaching in front of people, in public, online. They're the ones doing the teaching that's very, very noticeable. And if they're doing it right, they'll be the first ones. You know, it's really interesting. Peter, I think, when he was writing this and he was pleading to the elders, and he says, as a fellow elder, I think he was thinking about a time in his life where he was told to lead. Turn over to John uh, chapter 21. Let's take a quick look there. And verse, this is John 21, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. 
He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. This is very emotional time. Because he's saying, I'm an elder like you. Here's what my Lord said to me. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yeah. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Wait, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> Feed my sheep. Follow me. This is what leaders do. That's what an elder should be doing. And likewise, all of us. It may cost everything. But if you love Jesus more than everything, you can follow where he leads Look, guys, I want to speak directly to the men here. Come on. Can you aspire to this? Can you aspire to loving Jesus to where you will develop yourself and your character in such a way that you are prepared to feed the sheep? That your character is there, that your knowledge of the scripture is there that your heart for Jesus is there, that you are ready at some point in your life, Lord willing, if the Lord calls you for that, that you can be that. Yeah. Or are you more focused on your career? More focused on your goals that are more secular instead of this? And I want to call you to love the lost, to love the sheep, in such a way that you can follow him in this way. It's not a political position, guys. You got to cast that stuff aside. That's wrong. That's not what an elder is. It's not political. It's not for power of authority. Certainly some men have done that, but that's wrong. That's not what Jesus calls us to. It's not our office for someone who wants to have authority over people or run a congregation and tell people what to do. Yeah. That's not the role. If you want that, it's not here. Okay. We need young men that will be preparing themselves right. yeah. for this. To follow Christ, working on their character. I urge you, I call you to that. You need to start now. It's not too late. You're called to be something more than a good businessman, an entrepreneur, whatever you do to earn money. The 
the king has different expectations. To the, he says, to those who serve the king in this way, they will receive the unfading crown of glory. That sounds good. <laughs> And you say, well, Steve, we all get an unfailing crown of glory. You go, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. It isn't just elders that did that. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So I shared these things because I was an elder for 10 years prior to coming here. I resigned at a point when I needed to take care of my grandmother and my dad. Um, in caregiving, it was a bit too much at that point. But in my experience, there has been nothing more fulfilling than doing this role. It's not for everyone, but I'm sharing that from my heart. From my experience, nothing has, has challenged me more to go into God's Word or to pray more or to try and repent more that has called out my flaws in a more public way than this role. And so I just wanted to share. Good. Think about that. Yeah. So he goes on in verse 5 and says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, you say, all right, is he saying those young people need to be subject to the elders? Is he saying, all right, elders, you need to listen to them and do what they say? Well, maybe, but I think in this context, he's actually saying that the younger people ought to be subject to the older people. And you go, oh. <laughs> That's horrible. The old people messed everything up. That's why everything's bad tonight. And you go, you know, that's how you're feeling. Yeah, I see y'all smiling. I saw that. <laughs> but he goes on and says, we need to humble ourselves, all of us, towards each other because God opposes the proud. Well, again, I think Peter had something in his memory about how he was discipled in this area. Turn over to Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, we'll begin in verse 24. And I want to set the context here. This is at the Last Supper when this happens. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. 
You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot different. When you look at that, it said, he gives them a complete redirection. You guys are all on this worldly kingdom, worldly thought about leadership, worldly authority, worldly this. What did I do? I washed your feet. Though I am your Lord and your King, I set an example for you that we should serve those that we lead. Change your thinking. I am King. I have a kingdom, and I will confer my kingdom on you. Wow. But here's how you need to be. That is biblical leadership. We need to clothe ourselves with humility towards each other. The young not despising the old, because they're old. And the old not despising the young, because they're old. <coughs> Yeah. Isn't that funny? But we do that. Sure. Yeah. You'll see when people don't know nothing. Yeah. Completely. I'm going to talk like a cutter right now. Okay. So no. <laughs> it comes far too naturally. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you." Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This is one of my favorite memory verses because it's so hard to do. I have to keep recalling it to my mind because every time I get anxious, I want to dwell in my anxiety. In my anxiety. I just kind of want to stay there. <laughs> Why? Because I forget that I can throw it off. I can just put it on God and let it go. Because he is able to handle the things that I'm anxious about. He's the one that can actually do something about it. When I'm feeling helpless and overwhelmed, he's the one that can actually fix it for me. I just need to pray about it and then go on. And then there went my burden. Now my mind can turn to more important things, things that I can actually do something about than just be anxious about things. That's so encouraging. God cares about me. He doesn't want me to be anxious. So why should I be anxious? Throw it on God. Stop letting your mind be restless. Let God handle it. Turn it over to Him. So now, when we look at the Scripture, Peter says... He wants everyone to be fully alert, to watch for the devil, that the devil is on the prowl for someone to devour. It could be you. How would you behave if there was actually a lion outside here somewhere? The news reports say there's a lion in Clemson. Hmm. How would you behave? Would you just go about your business like there wasn't one? 
and hope. I, there's a lot of people here. Who gets somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> You know, the whole joke, you know, as long as I can run faster than Keith, I can be okay. <laughs> yeah, that ain't going to work. That's not a smart way to behave. But so many of us are acting totally oblivious that there is a real risk here. It's in the scripture for a reason. Satan really is prowling around looking for someone to devour we need to be wise to the ways of Satan. You know, he's represented at least three ways in the scripture. One is he's a serpent at the very beginning. Another is he masquerades as an angel of light. He looks good. And then another, like we just said, is a lion. Something that's hungry and devouring. And he comes at us in several ways. And we need to remember these ways to protect ourselves. One way he comes after us is he tempts us with the lust of flesh. Just think about that. What are the lusts of the flesh? There's the, all the sensual desires that we have. From food to you name it, to sex, whatever. It's all there in the lust of the flesh. He tempts us with the lust of the eyes, the things that we desire, the things that we want, material things. If we can see it and we want it, that's what he'll tempt us with. He tempts us with the pride of life. Now think about that. What is the pride of life? I'm something. I'm smart. I got a position. Whatever it is, I'm prideful about it. If you go to Matthew 4, you don't have to turn there. I encourage you right now, I encourage you to do that. These are the very things that Satan tempts Jesus with. Do you think you're immune? Jesus resisted him with the scripture. He was prepared. Yeah. yeah. But notice when he was tempted. He's 40 days in on a fast. He's hungry. He's weak. That's when Satan comes after us. It's because he's just like that lion. The lion goes after the one that's isolated from the herd. The ones that's old or weak. The one that's not matured yet. Not at their fullest strength. The ones that are oblivious to the danger. They're just doing their thing. Yeah. Completely unaware that danger's near them. Have you ever watched those animal videos? You're like, oh yeah, oh he's gonna get it. Yeah. <laughs> that one's I... just getting a drink. Yeah. He comes at us when we're proud of ourselves. Again, I think when Peter's writing this, he is writing this thinking back to a very specific time. If you'll turn back to uh, Luke 22, we'll take a look at it. In Luke 22, verse 31. I hope I'm giving you the right reference. I hope so. Verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. 
But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Peter loved Jesus. You can't be proud like that. A faith needs to be in the power of Christ and not in ourselves. Peter says, resist him firm in your faith. Notice he's not saying firm in, I can do this, I can do that. Peter reminds them and us that we are not alone in suffering. Brothers and sisters around the world are going through the same experiences. There is nothing shameful about suffering. Nothing. This is not something to be avoided or run away from. When we suffer for being Christians, we are most like Jesus. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, I think Peter was thinking about that right there. He was restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established. And you know, after that point, he never denied Christ again. He went to his cross. He went and he gave up his life for Jesus. And when you think about that, he adjusted, he repented, he understood the way. This is what he's trying to communicate to us to prepare ourselves for this kind of suffering, sharing from his own experience. Peter now concludes this amazing letter by telling us to take our stand in the grace of God. That he is sharing that the true word of God is with us. We have it. We have it right here. We can rely on it. And then he closes his letter and he says, y'all greet each other. I put the southern in there. (laughs) And with the kiss of love, peace to all of you who are in Christ. You know, peace in Christ. Why say that? You know, we we all go, peace. Peace. Okay. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) But it's a lot deeper. When he says... At the very end here, peace to all of you who are in Christ. The key on this is in Christ. You need to be in Christ to have peace. Your peace is in Christ. It's not going to be found anywhere else. There's nowhere else that you're going to go to have peace in Christ. You can't get it elsewhere. And that's how he closes out. 
It's both a wishful statement for you, but it's a statement of a reality as well. Peace in Christ. And we have that. That's how you end this book on how to handle suffering. So, peace in Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.